Four. Hopefully I didn't miss anything there, but I definitely don't want to take away from God's word. And I know that's what you came for tonight. If you'll turn to John chapter 15 and verse number 14, we'll start there. John 15, verse number 14. While you're turning there, I want to say thank you again to Brother and Sister Shepherd for having us over here. And they uh, took us out to a nice dinner today. That was not the plan. We were supposed to just eat and be here later, but they hunted us down and decided they wanted to treat us to supper, and I appreciate that, and very humbled by that, and uh, that's just kind of people they are, and you already know that, if you don't know that, you're probably going to find that out as time goes on, praise God. John 15, verse 14, when I hear, once I hear no rustling, I'll know that pretty well everyone has, and I assume they'll probably be up there as well, I call that cheap, but hey, it still works. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain and that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Praise God. I believe God wants to speak tonight. In case you're wondering, I don't preach the same thing everywhere. I don't believe in that. So uh, this is just for you. When we first knew we were coming here, uh, I felt a certain thing for Digby. Once we knew we were going there, and I felt something here. And it's different than what I've never preached this anywhere else. And so we'll see how it goes tonight. I want to talk to you about the servant syndrome. The servant syndrome. So we read there in our first verse of passage that Jesus is speaking basically to his disciples and whoever else was might have been standing close to him. He says, you're my friends if you do what I command you. And then he said, I don't call you servants anymore. But because a servant doesn't know what the Lord is doing or what his master does. So Jesus said something interesting. He said, I'm now going to start calling you friends. And the reason I'm going to upgrade you from, friend, from servant to friend is because a servant doesn't really know what the major plan is. He doesn't know the master plan. A servant only knows to do his job, to do her job. That's all they know. That's all they're ever really supposed to know. That's just the way it was, especially in the Bible days. You were not allowed to question anything. You were not allowed to go against your master's wishes. You couldn't uh, rebel or anything like that. You just did what you were told. And that's just how it was. But Jesus said, I'm not going to call you servants anymore because you're not just doing what you're told, but I'm going to start showing you what I'm going to do. And because of that, I'm going to change your title to friends instead of servants. Thank you, Lord. And so that's interesting to know. When you serve God, when you plug into God, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, you're not just a servant. Yes, there is part of what we do that does serve God. That's true, but you're not just a servant. See, I want to talk to you about this problem that a church can get into sometimes, or an individual can have sometimes. They get what, what we would call the servant syndrome. Now, that may not be uh, an actual thing that a psychologist would have, but it is something that exists, the servant syndrome. And so I want to give you a couple stories in the Bible that talk about that. If you'll turn to 1 Kings or, or follow along up there on the screen, 
1 Kings 18, verse 41, and we'll start there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Okay, so you probably know the background here is after those 850 prophets have been slaughtered, after God had answered Elijah with fire, so that's sort of the background. This is following that directly. Get thee up, eat and drink. There's a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. And he cast himself down upon the earth. And put his face between his knees. And said to his servant, Go up now. Look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So notice after those 850 prophets have been slaughtered, after this seemingly what was a great victory, that Elijah says to Ahab, okay, I want you to go back to your palace, eat and drink, because I hear some rain coming. But notice what he does next after Ahab leaves. Elijah goes up to the top of Carmel and he starts praying. He's had his face right to the ground between his knees. And then he tells his servant to do something. He says, I want you to go up and look toward the sea. That's all he told him to do. Yes. And that servant went up and he looked to the sea and he came back and he said, there is nothing. See, what servant syndrome is, is this, quite simply. When you're a servant, you don't know what God's doing. You just know what you see, that one thing you're working on, that one department of the church you're working on, that one thing, that one person, that one issue that you're dealing with, and you never see anything else. You only see that one thing. That's a problem in serving God if you get into that kind of a mode. That's a real problem. So this servant, he was told to go up toward the sea. Elijah already knew what he was going to see. Elijah knew what that servant was going to see. But at first, when the servant looked, he didn't see anything. And the second time he didn't see anything. And the third time, and the fourth, and the fifth, and the sixth. Until the seventh time, finally he saw something. The seventh time. But even when he saw something, all he saw was a little cloud the size of a man's hand, or in the shape of a man's hand. That's all he saw. But if you think about the first verse, Elijah told Ahab, he didn't say, yeah, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand out there somewhere, and it's going to start raining. No, no. What he said was, you better get up and get where you're going because there's a sound of abundance of rain. Now, a man's hand and an abundance of rain are two completely con contradictory terms, if I, if I understand that right. They're not the same. But Elijah knew there was way more coming than just a man's hand. He knew something was about to happen. And notice, 
If you keep reading down in verse 45, it said that even after he had told Ahab, get out of here, Ahab, hurry up, because you're going to get stuck in the mud or whatnot. It said that the clouds had already swooped in and it went black. And you know one of those storms that comes up out of nowhere, just seemingly, especially if you fish or something. You get out on the ocean and almost out of nowhere a storm comes and envelops you and you didn't see it coming even. And all of a sudden it's on you. It was just like that. The servant had no idea what was going to happen because he was struck with the servant syndrome. But Elijah knew because Elijah was plugged into God. Elijah knew there was more going on than just what I see. He knew there was more than just what I feel. In our video, if you read it later, it's a base, it, we have a song in there. It's called Waymaker. I was struggling with the Lord during that time when he was calling us to Africa. And I was struggling because we were pastoring and whatnot. And I knew we'd have to fundraise. And I knew, I didn't know how that was all going to happen. I knew the budget was huge and didn't know what God was going to do. And he gave me one word. He said, Waymaker. I said, Okay. So I looked that up. I, I knew it was a song, but I had never heard the song, but somehow I knew it was a song. I looked it up, and the first thing I found was the Pentecostals of Alexandria singing that song. And I, I listened to that, and right away I knew exactly what God was telling me. He was telling me, I've got this thing. You may not think I got it. You may not know how it's going to go, but I've got it. And that just goes to show you that sometimes you get plugged in to this servant syndrome where we're so busy doing our little thing or our couple little things and we don't realize the big picture of what God is doing. But there is a cloud coming. There is many more behind that man's hand. And there's a sound of abundance of rain and God's going to minister. God's going to pour out his spirit just like he promised in the book of Joel and then again in the book of Acts. God said he was going to do it. He said the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. It's going to happen but if you're stuck in servant syndrome, you don't see it coming. But God didn't say we're just servants. He said we're friends. Amen. Because a friend knows what's coming. He said, I'll, I'll show you. You're friends because I'm going to tell you what I'm doing. Now I know he doesn't tell us everything. But there's many things God, God lets us in on. But if we're stuck in that, in that syndrome of being just a servant, we miss out on what else is going on. You think of that old uh, storybook uh, that story, that Disney story or whatnot of Cinderella, that lady that was, was cleaning and stuff. All she saw was those dirty floors. All she saw was what the sisters were doing and whatnot. That's all she saw, right? And that's exactly what happens to you and I. We can get so busy. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. And all you'll see is teaching Sunday school and the kids and they're acting up or whatnot. And maybe you're a pastor and all you see is the negative things. Or maybe you're a musician and all you see is, is the, only the, the ten songs you know or whatnot. Or you're uh, someone else that does something different. And all you see is that. But you don't see what's beyond that, that hand in the sky. But God wants you to see that. If nothing else, what I'm here to do tonight is to just kind of open your eyes to look beyond just that cloud in the sky. Some people stop there and get excited about a cloud the size of a man's hand. But Elijah said, oh no, there's more than that. That's just the beginning. There's way more than that because a prophet could see further ahead than the servant could. Amen. You look it up through the Bible. You see several times the servant had no idea what was going on. 
They weren't stupid, but they just, they're just so stuck in their rut. They're so worried about their little quadrant, and they dealt with that, and they had no idea what else was going on. But God is busy. There is a spiritual realm that's busy at work right now. There's angels roaming to and fro. God's spirit is moving. There's things happening that you never know. We've had people walk into our church that nobody invited, that nobody talked to, that no one had any connection to, but God did, and God spoke to them. You say, how does that happen? It happens because God's spirit is always working. Amen. And you've got to get out of that servant syndrome where all you see is the results in front of you, and you, you, you choose not to see what else God is doing. He's doing something great. Let's turn to another story. 2 Kings, a bit further in the Bible. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 8. Then the king of Syria, so that's a completely different story. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with the servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Behold, that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of, of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? He thought there was a spy. See, what was happening in plain English was he kept trying to ambush the Israelites. And every single time God spoke to Elijah and said, hey, the Assyrians are going to be right here. Tell the king, don't be there. Go somewhere else. Not once, not twice. Several times that happened. Eventually, the king of Syria gets so frustrated. He said, what? Someone's telling me. We've got a spy in the midst. I want to know who's spying on me right now. And so that's where you pick up the story in verse number 12. And one of his servants said, none, my lord. There's no spy. Okay, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Notice that. The prophet, this time it wasn't Elijah, it was Elisha. And this time he said, he's telling the king every single thing you talk about. Now, how could he do that? I'll tell you why. He wasn't stuck in servant syndrome. He was plugged into God. So he wasn't just seeing what was in front of him. He saw what God was doing. And that's a powerful thing. If you can ever get past servant syndrome and get looking at the grand picture of what God's doing, ever get your eyes open to what he's doing, he'll do even more amazing things than what he's even done already. Yeah. And so we see in verse 13, the king comes up with a plan of how he's going to deal with it. Go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and great hosts, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God, so Elijah, Elisha's servant, was risen early and gone forth, behold, and hosts compassed the city, both the horses and chariots. And the servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And so what happened was the king sent his whole <laughs> army to Dothan. He said, I'm going to do away with this prophet. I've had enough of this. I want to conquer Israel. And this prophet, every single time I go to do anything, he's giving me away. He's messing up every single plan I have. So now I'm going to go kill him. I'm going to wipe out that whole city or take Elisha, whichever, whatever has to be done. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be able to conquer Israel because he's not going to give away my game plan anymore. Early in the morning, Elisha's servant walks out, sees all this, this, this 
army amassed all around, these chariots, these horses. It must have been absolute overkill. Dothan was not a huge, amazing city. And so they were severely, severely outnumbered. And the servant, all he saw was those chariots and those horses and the fact that they had nothing to go back at that army with. That's all he saw. But then the Bible says in the next verse, verse 16, And Elijah answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. How did Elijah know that? See, the servant was looking at them. But Elijah said, don't look at them. There's someone else out there too. You're just looking at them, but if you just look a little further, there's more than that out there. And no doubt when he said that, the servant's thinking, well, I looked multiple times. There's nobody else out there but these horses and these chariots. But, but yet the prophet said there is more on our side. Where are they? I don't see them. I don't feel them. I don't sense them. It doesn't seem like they're out there. But yet the man of God says they are. And then Elijah helped him out. In verse 17, he prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. What was he saying there? He was saying, God, deliver him from this servant syndrome where all he sees is his little territory of influence, where all he sees is this one little thing. God, open his eyes and help him to see the grand picture of what you're doing. Lord, would you just for one moment open this man's eyes and deliver him from that syndrome and let him see the great thing you're about to do. Notice he didn't pray about faith. He didn't pray about unbelief. He didn't pray about rebellion or any of those other things we can maybe throw at that time. He didn't pray about any of those. All he said is open his eyes. Why? Because Elijah already knew what was going on. He already knew. He already knew. He didn't have to pray that God was going to deliver him because he already knew God was going to deliver him. He already knew that there was a bigger army just, just a little bit past the Syrian army. He already knew they were there. And the Bible said that the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. So once he got delivered of the servant sinner, he could see what was going on. He no longer was a servant for that moment. He became uh, connected to God in a stronger deeper way and he could see what God was doing. Yeah. Sometimes we get so uh, so in a rut with certain things or in our little department or in our, our family or in our sickness that we're dealing with and that's all we see. But God's always doing more than that. Amen. Sometimes I use that, that terminology of uh, iceberg. You probably know this. I doubt any really come too much near Nova Scotia, maybe Cape Breton, but in Newfoundland, they see them quite a bit, as you know, and you've probably seen pictures. As most people would know, an iceberg basically has about 10% above the water and 90% below. So it'd be pretty crazy to go up super close to an iceberg because there's a good chance that it could flip at any moment or it could break off or whatnot. That thing's a lot. It might look pretty cute in a picture, but you get up close to that thing and you start looking below the water, there's a lot more hiding underneath than there is up top. That's kind of how God is. We see just a fraction of what God's doing, and we think that's all God's doing. And we box him in and say, okay, God's doing this, or God's doing this, but it looks like that's all he's doing. 
we see a little growth here or a little break here and we think that's all he's doing. But no, there's a lot more going on in the spirit realm than what you might see. We need to spend a lot of time trying to get out of this servant mentality and thinking more like friends. Now we can see what God's doing. Lord, open my eyes. Billy Cole used to say, they used to ask Billy Cole, you probably have heard of him. Yes, you definitely have, because he's preached here several times in Middle Lake. And so he said one time, you probably maybe heard him say it. He said, people always ask me, why do I get to see all these people filled with the Holy Ghost? Why do I, what is it about my ministry? Or what am I doing? Am I fasting? Am I praying? What exactly am I doing? He said, I'm not doing anything different than anyone else. I just ask God where he's going to be. And I go there. And that's exactly a perfect example of being delivered from the servants in our God. Where are you going to be? And I'm just going to put myself right there. Because I know I don't see a whole lot here, but I know you're somewhere else. You're moving. I know you're doing so much more behind the scenes. See, we've got to work like a servant. There's no question about that. The Bible talks a lot about servants, and there's nothing wrong with several things about servants, but this syndrome you don't want to get. We should always work like a servant. You should always be willing to work around the church and invite people to church and fast and pray and read your Bible and all these different things we do. You've got to do that. So we have to work like a servant. We've got to submit like a servant. A servant is known for submitting. We've got to do that to the pastor. He even submits to the district leadership and whatnot, and all of us submit to God. So you've got to submit like a servant. That you've got to do as well. You've got to be humble like a servant. Servants, were noted for being humble. We're not supposed to be full of pride or patting ourselves on the back, but we've got to be humble. A servant just does exactly what he's told to do, and that's it. No ifs, ands, or buts. They do exactly what they're expected to do. All those are good things. But here's what you should never do. You should never think like a servant. You should work like one, you should submit like one, and you should be humble like one, but don't you ever get caught thinking like a servant. Because a servant only does what they see. They only do what they're told. They never see the grander picture. They never have their eyes open to what's going on. See, Peter was not just a servant the day he looked at Jesus out on the water. The other 10 or 11 uh, disciples that were in that boat, they didn't say a word except they were scared, but Peter was different. He said, well, you know, I could stay a servant, but I think I'd like to be a friend. Lord, if it's you, would you call me to come your way? I know he did fall in the water, but he also walked on the water before that. And so he did something that nobody else did because he said, I'm tired of just thinking like a servant. I'll work like it. I'll submit like it. And I'll be humble like a servant, but I'm done thinking like a servant. I know God's capable of more than that. He said, Lord, if you're out there, call me. What did Jesus say? One word, come. He didn't get much qualifiers. Well, you got to pray through and you got to do this, 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 this. Then, no, come on, let's go. Don't ever think like a servant. A servant just, just puts her head down and just does what they're told. And I know that seems like a good thing, but it's not actually a good thing if you think about it. God's doing so much more than just our little section as pastors. We, we can get into this groove as well where we, we just see our little thing and we never see the grander picture. That's why it's kind of neat for me to be in different churches like this. So I get to see the pastor in Digby. I get to see Brother Shepherd in his element here. I get to see 
Brother Cole up in Amherst and other guys in different places. And that's good. It shows you that God's working everywhere. He's not just working in Blacks Harbor. He's working here, and he's working in Digby, and he's working in Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and in Africa. He's not just working in any one spot. He's working everywhere. God is always working all over the place. We just don't always see it. The Bible talks about a servant. If you study that word servant, it means to be a slave with no ownership rights. God never meant you to be a slave. He wanted you, the Bible said, you're supposed to be sons and daughters. Yes. Heirs. Join heirs with Christ. Yes. You're not supposed to stay as a servant. You were never meant to stay that way. You're supposed to be friends. God is doing something here. I can guarantee you that. I can guarantee you. God is working here. Usually, before you see a tremendous breakthrough, there's much going on in the spirit realm before you ever see any uh, concrete evidence of it. Before there's ever a revival, before there's ever a breakthrough, before there's ever growth or whatever terminology you want to use, there's always lots of movement in the spirit realm. Somebody, I don't know who it was that said this, but somebody said, how does the devil know to attack you? You ever notice that? That the devil or, or his demons or whatever, they seem to know when to attack you. You ever notice that? Things are going well or they're about to go well. And all of a sudden you get attacked out of nowhere. Or some people say it this way. They'll say, well, you're getting attacked and it must mean God's about to do something great because you just got, you just got hammered with some attack out of left field. And someone once explained this. And I think this is really how it works. They said, you know how the devil knows to do that? Because he watches where the angels are going. And he sees the angels heading in your direction. Or he sees them heading towards your church. And he doesn't know exactly what they're going to do. But he knows God is doing something immediately. There's a little bit of backup of that in the Bible. In, in the book of Daniel. Daniel started fasting and praying. And the angels started coming to Daniel. But the prince of Persia withstood them and they fought for 21 days till they broke through. Michael came and helped them out. Study that out. You'll see it backs it up. And they eventually got there. But what happened? The enemy saw those angels heading towards Daniel. He said, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to try. But he didn't end up help holding them back forever. They did get through. And that's exactly what happens to you and I sometimes. God is moving. Angels are coming your way before you ever see them. You may see a cloud, a man's size, a man's hand in the sky. But what you don't see is that dark, ominous, black clouds of abundance of rain that are also coming behind there. As a servant, you'll never see them. Servant syndrome. Servant syndrome. God wants to move. Maybe someone tonight... You're getting frustrated. Maybe you're, you're kind of at your wit's end with what you're doing. Maybe I don't know who you are, what thing you're working on, or who you're working on, or whatnot. But I believe there's definitely one or a couple people that God's speaking to tonight and saying, if you would just stop thinking like a servant, work like it, submit like it, humble yourself like a servant, but don't think like a servant. You're not just a servant. You're a friend. God wants to show you the rest of what's going on. He wants to tell you, like Lee Harvey, the rest of the story. He wants to tell you that. He wants to do that tonight. What you see is not all there is. I really believe that here in this area. Like I say, I don't know anything about Middleton whatsoever. But I do know. I feel in the spirit before I ever got here that God is, is working on some things behind the scenes. God has some things. He's coming down the pipe. You may not see it. You may not feel like it. 
And just like that song Waymaker says, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. God is always working on things. If we can get out of that servant syndrome and start looking at what God's actually doing, Lord, open my eyes. Show me God. If you're not already, fast and pray. That'll, that'll speed you to seeing more of what God's doing. God wants to show you. He wants to let you in. He doesn't want to blindside you and catch you off guard with a great revival. He wants you to know it's coming. He wants you to know he's working on He wants you to know who he's speaking to and whatnot. God will share that with you if we step out of that servant sin. Doesn't matter what, yesterday, what happened yesterday. Doesn't matter what happened the last 10 years. Doesn't matter what happened the last... 50 years or whatnot. It doesn't matter what happened at church down the road. God is doing something different here. God's ministering here. God's got loved ones here. Obviously, a group this size, you've got kids. You've got grandkids. You've got maybe great-grandkids, some of you. You've got nieces and nephews and co-workers and, and neighbors and loved ones and strangers you kind of somewhat know at the store and whatnot. You've got people that God could be speaking to and you don't even know. We've had that happen in Black Star. People that God was speaking to, and none of us even knew. But see, that's what God will do. Yeah. And when you step out of that servant syndrome, it'll change your whole your whole way of looking at things. It'll almost set you free. Just thought, well, just think about it. We get so weighed down with stuff, and we're down there scrubbing out the floor, and we're working hard, and we're doing all the dirty work and cleaning bathrooms, and thinking, man, I just wish God would move. Man, I wish he would do something. And all along, the clouds are rolling in, and we don't even see them. That's exactly what's happening right now. You'll stand. I really believe God's, God's working. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. We have been, at our church, I'll just end with this story. We have been struggling for quite some time and throughout the summer last year, a little bit into the fall. We're struggling, just fasting and praying. And just the spiritual stuff we go through in our communities on rail. So we're, we're already ready for Africa. We go through all kinds of spiritual craziness. And anyways, we're going through that and struggling and struggling. And out of the blue, I get, a, I get a text from my cousin. And all he says is this. He says, I hear the sound of abundance and rain. He said, I'll take that. I'll take that, God. Yes. I knew it was coming. I said, this, I don't know what, but something's coming. Just a few weeks later, we had a youth event. We had seven youth get the hold of us. And the church only has like 30 some people. That's huge. Seven youth got the Holy Ghost in one set of services, two or three services. That's God. That's not, I had nothing to do with that. That's God. He did that. There was people there that did, there was kids that didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was and they were speaking in tongues. I had to tell them later what it was. They're asking all kinds of like, what is this? What just happened? I don't understand. And we're explaining that. It was amazing what God did. And that, whoever, my cousin, he, somehow he saw beyond the little hand in the sky. He saw, I was looking at the little hand and couldn't see the dark cloud behind it, but he saw it. And God rolled in. And even though I couldn't see it, God was still doing it anyway. But imagine how much it'll boost your faith when you have your eyes open and you see what God's doing. Yeah. So if nothing else tonight, I just want to help open someone's eyes and say, look, God, God's doing something. I can't tell you what exactly. I can't give you names. I can't tell you who it's going to be or what age range it's going to be. But I can tell you that they're coming. They're coming. They could be coming next service. They become, could be coming two weeks from now. But I don't, I don't think it's 10 years down the road. I believe it's, it's very soon. I believe it's right now. God's, God's talking to people now. If you, 
tears are flowing down people's face as we speak. They're thinking about God. They're crying out to God saying, Lord, would you just show me that you're real? God, which church should I go to? There's people asking that right now. And you need to know that and be encouraged by that. Lord, show me who they are. I don't want to be just a servant. I want to be a friend. I want to be delivered from the sinner. Don't ever think like a servant. Because the minute you step out of thinking like a servant, it's a whole new world. Now you're in Elisha's and Elijah's territory. You're in a friend of Jesus' territory. And that, that will change everything. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm not sure how you normally close service on Wednesday. And so I don't want to do something different than you usually do. So I'll let Brother Shepherd come and do whatever he feels.